Welcome to the Screamcast, episode 131. I am Sean DeRager, and with me is Brad Henderson. Aw, shit. Joining us as well is the illustrious BJ Colangelo. Oh, hello there. (laughs) Welcome back to the show. I'm glad to be back. I've missed you guys so much. (laughs) Today we are talking about Vinegar Syndrome and their uh, multiple packages. Mm. So their, where are we at? Uh, Packages. (laughs) Their March package, February, and I think even the January. Anyway, the last few months. There's a lot of package. This is the first Vinegar Syndrome of the... uh, yeah, it was the first vinegar, vinegar, vinegar syndrome episode of the year for us. Oh my god, it's already April. We're slacking so bad. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, but yeah, so we were talking about a handful of titles. We're gonna skip all of our normal uh, segments and kind of jump right so into all of these. So dedicated. Yeah. <laughs> You can follow us over on Twitter at Scream underscore cast. Of course, you can go to thescreamcast.com, follow all of our social links there. Or frisky. And while you're listening, if you feel if you feel led by the Holy Spirit, you can uh, sign up and become a patron. You gotta sex people up, man. You, you like you undersell this stuff. You need to sex them up. I was trying the 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 preacher the preacher vibe. Work. If you, if you, if you feel it in your loins. See, that was no. your first mistake because statistics show <laughs> that we are the most godless generation currently. So yes. I want to change your angle there. If you're interested in religion or non-religion or anything like that, uh, I have another podcast called the oh, AXPX oh, podcast. Podcast. Give that a <laughs> listen over at theaxpx.com. Speaking of godless generation. Coming soon is a episode on the religion and philosophy of Star Trek. If you're super nerdy. Get ready. Uh, it's going to get nerdy. I can hear all of the, well, actually, comments oh, well, just uh, doing actually, already. The Vulcans, uh, actually, they're not religious. They are just uh, based on science and reason. And then all you can hear in the background is just... <laughs> get out of here. Anyway. All right. Um, back to Vinegar Syndrome, everybody. Yeah. Sorry, I'm opening up water. Water? Jesus. Keep yourself hydrated, man. If it makes you feel any better. I'm drinking a Steel Reserve Alloy Series Spiked Watermelon. Yeah. It was very cheap at the bodega down the street, but it looks like it may be part battery acid. But does it taste like battery acid? We'll find out. (laughs) It tastes like Four loco, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing yet. (laughs) That's what I got going on. Well, we had Taco Tuesday here at my place with a family and their kids over. And so, we, you know, we I had a, I had a couple Captain Morgan Cokes. So I'm kind of coming off that because uh, I don't sleep very good. Captain Morgan Cokes instead of a rum and Coke? Yeah, I did. Right. Well, Captain Morgan's a spice rum, a little bit different than just straight yeah. rum. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, my God. You need to... I want to take you bar hopping and just hear you go up to a bartender and go, yeah, I'll have a uh, Captain Morgan Coke. Not even a Captain and Coke. A Captain Morgan. No, no, if I'm at a bar, I'll say a Captain and Coke, please. 
There with you a, go. With a lime. Take the with dad lime. off for a little bit. Bacardi Limon and Coke, please, with a lime. Thanks, sir. <laughs> if I could have oh. doers on the rocks, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't know. Oh, my God. All right. Um, anyway, here we go. Let's jump. This is getting embarrassing. I'm like... So far throughout the entirety of this episode, and it's only been like five minutes, I'm like dangerously uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Why? I I mean, you know. The level of like what determines dangerous uncomfortability? Where does that line begin? I'm sitting here and I I, like I feel drops of water on my legs, and I'm like looking up, like, oh, where's it coming from? And I realize it's just coming from my armpits. (laughs) <laughs> like, oh my god did you run a marathon before you recorded this podcast or are you just no, sweating no, just, for existing I, I i am just sweating right now profusely is your air conditioner broken no oh my no god. it's this fucking conversation and podcast right now <laughs> so far we talked about Sorry, captain, captain rum and cokes and klingon fucking religion <laughs> I almost just spit out my water just now. So, all right, let's well get right wanted. into this. We're let's get right into this. Audiences. Look, look, there's other podcasts that are way more organized than us, okay? <laughs> you want something more organized, go listen to those uh, people who are funded by goddamn freaking Bloomhouse, okay? We're not funded by a major studio, all right? So everyone just relax. I mean, they're not either, but... <laughs> That's, well, it says Bloomhouse Presents. I'm just, you know, I'm not jealous or anything. That's not how that works, son. Use their offices and something like <laughs> that. Oh, my God. Now we're just turning into a stuff. Can we, we even if we had an office, we couldn't do this because we're three <laughs> can we, different can states. Can we start the show? Is uh, possible? No. Yeah, yeah, we can start. Do you want to restart the show? No, yeah, this is hilarious. This is <laughs> really fun. I'm having a great time. All right. Let's let's Shut jump right into this, there, everybody. Betty. Let's go. <laughs> Listen, Brad, you just go back online and piss off some movie blogs, okay? Uh. <laughs> also, while I have you on air, fuck you guys for those twenty notifications on my Twitter today, arguing about movies. Yeah. Hey, that wasn't me. Yeah, I, I just got I, I just got wrapped into that. You guys always start and riffraff on the Twitter through the Screencast <laughs> Twitter page, so that I get linked in. And then I come back from work and uh, I walk into an explosion. <laughs> yeah, I apologize for all the apologizing, apologizing you need to do on our behalf. Like, li- like I legit. Like to, like, ironic gif it away. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my, my attempt at ending confrontation. Which is great. Well, after a little bit of a break, Josh Obershaw joins us with the news. What's up, man? Oh, it's so good to be back. <laughs> I missed everybody. How are you, Sean? I know you get used to doing this stuff, and then you have like a break, and then you come back. You know, you come back, and it feels it feels good. It feels good to be back in the swing of things. Totally, especially since we've got a lot to talk about. We got a lot to catch up on. Well, cool. What, what do we got? Well, uh, anybody out there who's a little impatient, doesn't really want to wait for Synapse to put out their Blu-ray of uh, Suspiria, there's a company called 84 Entertainment, and they've got you covered. 
They're putting out a 40th anniversary leather book edition of Suspiria. And this is going to be coming out... Oh, I did have the date for this, but I can't seem to find it. Give me a second. Pretty damn soon. May 15th. And if you want to take a look at all the bonus features for this, uh, you can go on the Screencast, our website, and be able to check it out because there's a lot. And the thing just looks so damn beautiful. Have you seen this? Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> the thing is, though, like, Synapse is doing such a great job on the restoration. Like, they put out some screen caps, and, uh, like, I. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait for synapse, but this that uh, the leather bound book idea of packaging is just it's so cool, but uh, so expensive. Yeah, that is true. That's one of the things that's kept me away from this particular set. Plus, I I don't even know if this is a region free. I believe it is, but I got an older Blu-ray player, and it is region A, so I don't really want to fork over that much cash for something that might potentially not work. You know what I mean? But if you have the expendable funds, go for it. True, by all means. But yeah, I'm going to wait for the Synapse one. So yeah, Suspiria 3D set from 84 Entertainment. That comes out on May 15th. But I'm going to hold out for the Synapse because they've been putting a lot into this. And obviously, it's going to come out this year to celebrate the 40th anniversary has me jazzed up already. Next up, we got a little bit of a sneak preview at the May package from our sponsors over at Vinegar Syndrome. They're going to be putting out 1980s The Hearse and a comedy called Malibu High. So I figured those are going to be like the two major releases for that month. And no other details to report on that just yet but i'm pretty sure we'll be hearing something from that soon and then we'll find out what else is going to be coming out in that package but the release date is going to be may 30th uh moving along to uh blue underground we have a release date for their blu-ray of deathline which is also known as raw meat and there's going to be a bunch of stuff on that one. We got commentaries and interviews with the co-writer and director and various cast members. We've got movie trailers, one of which is with the title Deathline, but another one with the title Raw Meat. We got TV spots and a booklet with writings by Michael Gingold and Christopher Gulo. So June 27th for Raw Meat. And also, they've got a May 30th release date for the Fu Manchu double feature. Both of these movies, uh, which star Christopher Lee, they've been put out on DVD by Blue Underground before. But they're going to be a Blu-ray double feature. So that comes out on May 30th. And also, they've got a couple of movies coming out directed by Dick Moss. They already announced... Amsterdam and The Lift, but they're also going to be putting out his remake of The Lift, 
which is called Down. And it's also known as The Shaft. That one has Naomi Watts in it. It's from 2001. And there's no release date. There's no release date on that yet. But we'll let you know when it comes out. That's it for Blue Underground. Okay, next up from Mill Creek. I know they don't have a lot as far as like bonus features is concerned, if any. But they've got some fun stuff coming out in May. First off, on May 2nd, they're going to be releasing the movie Space Hunter, Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. Yeah. I'm so looking forward to this one. This one was a childhood favorite. And it was also my first Molly Ringwald movie, too. <laughs> Peter Strauss is in it. Uh, Michael Ironside. Fun stuff. That one's May 2nd. And on May 16th, they've got what is called the Payback Triple Feature Collection. This is three movies. Blind Fury. Silent Rage. And a movie from 1975 called White Line Fever. And that one stars Jan Michael Vincent. But Silent Rage, that's a Chuck Norris movie that's been getting a lot more attention these days. I've, I've never seen it. But I'm definitely going to be willing. I'm willing to check this out. Especially Mill Creek's prices are pretty good. Next up, uh, from Magnolia, they have a release date of May 23rd for the movie XX, the anthology film. That one will be out on Blu-ray May 23rd. What else have I got? Uh, oh, yeah, there's going to be a Tremor 6. It's filming in South Africa right now. Oh, no. And there's the Blu-ray is going to come out on, or rather, in 2018. Still a ways off, but more Tremors. More Michael Gross. Next up, we're moving on to Scorpion releasing. They've got a couple of coming out in the few months. For the spring, they've got Aloha, Bobby, and Rose. This one stalls Paul Lamad with an early role for uh, Edward James Olmos. It's got Elton John, Bob Dylan, and ELP on the soundtrack. And the other movie they got coming out, this time for the summer, is called Conduct Unbecoming. This one stars Michael York, Sir, Sir Richard Attenborough, Stacey Keach, and Christopher Plummer. That's going to be a 2017 HD scan, and it has interviews with Stacey Keach and star James Faulkner. And finally, from Screen Factory. I don't know if we talked about this yet, but this June, June 20th to be precise, they will be releasing the Paul Nashi Collection. Five films, Vengeance of the Zombies, Horror Rises from the Tomb, Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll, Night of the Werewolf, and Human Beasts. And if you want to check out all the bonus features for this one, you can go to the screencast. We have them listed for you. Hell yes. I'm happy to see, you know, Scream Factory kind of diving into things like this. Like, this is, as a horror fan, like, you know, it's fun to have, you know, good releases of, like, The Thing and Carrie, but, I mean... It's fun to discover kind of these forgotten gems, and, and that set, man, looks like it's going to be a lot of fun to discover. It is. I plan on that being Paul Nashi 101 for myself, because I've only seen one film of his. Uh, it's called Curse of the Devil. It's a werewolf movie that he was in, and it was one that Anchor Bay put out on DVD way, way back in the day. 
that was one I found for four bucks at a Rite Aid. <laughs> so that was my introduction to Paul Nashi. Very nice. Oh, and one more, one more Screen Factory tidbit. Teen Wolf and Teen Wolf Two are getting Blu-ray releases. Yay, Teen Wolf. Yeah, man. Teen Wolf Two, not so much. <laughs> I don't remember liking that one. Yeah, it was more of the same. It was more of the same, but uh, I, I think this is going to be the first Blu-ray release for Teen Wolf because I have the DVD that my wife and I break out every almost every Halloween, like every October, we'll watch it. Oh, I'm a huge fan of Teen Wolf. I remember seeing the Saturday morning cartoon. There was actually a Saturday morning cartoon yeah. of Teen Wolf in the 80s. It was great. Now this will be fun. I'm, I'm excited to see what they pull out with the um, pull out with with the uh, special features. Um, I'm hoping they treat this one right. And you know the the double feature is fun, but I could you know who cares about Teen Wolf too? But I mean, but it's early Jason Bateman, so. You know, so that, that'll be fun to kind of revisit. And if they get some really good interviews with that, just, I mean, just like with Robocop 2 and 3, they kind of saved those releases by really adding some great special features to those. But um, and I'm still waiting to find those on sale. I'm, just, I'm not going to spend 20 bucks on, on those two. But, you know, a, a, a mediocre to bad movie, especially from the 80s, can be saved with some good retrospectives for sure. Those are all great points, by the way. And I should also point out, this isn't a double feature. Both of these movies are getting their own separate collector's editions. So just like with Robocop 3, they're going all out with Team Wolf 2. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's something to look forward to uh, this summer. Very nice. Which is kind of an odd timing because uh, you would think this would be a great back-to-school release. You know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. August. Or hell, uh, even September. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay, Sean, that's all the news I got for you. All right, man. You know, for being away for a month, it's I, I figure we've had more to talk about. I know. Yeah. Uh, I think they're ramping up. I think we're going to get a lot of announcements here coming into summer and stuff. So, Because they still got to plan out, you know, the fall and Halloween, you know, October and and stuff. So we're gonna we're gonna get some good announcements here from from here on out because they're you know we you know they're gonna ramp up for for that time of year. All right, Josh. Well, thanks, man. We will talk to you next time. Thanks. It's great to be back, and I will talk to you all next time. Let's jump right into this. Uh, the first, so Vinegar Syndrome has had a pretty kick-ass year uh, so far in 2017. Can we all agree on that? I concur. Okay. <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. All right. So uh, the first film we are going to talk about, um, Don't Answer the Phone, starring the the amazing uh, and very sweaty Nicholas Worth. Run, if you must. Hello, operator. Emergency, can you help me? Hide if you can. Scream <laughs> if you are able. Who's there? But above all, if you are alone, don't answer the phone. <laughs> Nineteen eighty, directed by Robert Hammer. Written by Michael Castle and Robert Hammer. And uh, it's about a very disturbed uh, Vietnam vet 
who stalks women and kills them and uh, follows the detectives that are trying to track him down. Sounds like my next door neighbor. <laughs> He's a pretty disturbed knob vet. If it was the Nicholas Worth, the, the Kirk, what is his name, Kirk Smith or something, I uh, I would feel really, really bad for you. Because this guy, this this guy gives me the fucking creeps. He he always has like, I I've watched Don't Answer the Phone probably more times than I should in life. <laughs> um, you know, I remember starting off with one of those. Um, it's one of the Mill Creek because Mill Creek did all the Crown Crown titles, and um, I saw it on there. And it was I I didn't know until the um, Blu-ray of Scorpion releasing came out because i picked that up and then i realized oh my gosh this movie's more extreme than i thought because it's you know an uncut version and um that's what this is too so i mean yeah it does it definitely looks uh looks better but man i tell you like this dude is kind of like i mean nicholas nicholas worth is playing like Honestly, this is probably his best role and most iconic yeah. role, other than being in Darkman for, you know, just a little bit. But, I mean, he he's channeling, like, every fucking serial killer in the book, it feels like. He is going above and beyond. Um, I mean, there's, there's parts of the film that, like, kind of remind me of, like, Taxi Driver. And there's parts of the film that reminds me of like listening to kind of, uh, you know, and, and watching, uh, kind of, uh, the courtroom stuff with, uh, in the hearings with serial killers and just hearing how he speaks. And I don't know. It's just like, I want to say that he did some like, Either he's really a serial killer in real life and he's like the Zodiac or <laughs> or he's just like really good at, you know, researching what he's supposed to do and then just completely channeling all that and giving it all on screen um, and in the sleaziest way possible, too, because this movie makes me feel hot and sweaty and sexy. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. But this is one that I did not get to see, but I'm a big fan of being hot and sweaty and sexy. So now mm. I feel like I need it. <laughs> well, I, James I was coming for you on Saturday for this. I was kind of hoping oh. that you would see it because I had a question because I know this is my take, but I'm also a dude um, is that the film has an extremely misogynistic character because I mean, most of our, you know, killings and brutality you know you know attacking women and stripping them down and killing them obviously there's that you know serial killers are misogynistic that's, that's that's fine but there's a there's something with the film where he's very misogynistic but the film isn't yeah no that's that's a very real thing like you yeah. can have misogynist characters and a film is not inherently misogynist because people are making that decision that's like saying because, you know, there are misogynist people in the world that, like, the world is inherently misogynist, which, depending on where you are, is true, but not always. I mean, that's mostly a question I had for you is that am I right? Because, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm also a dude, so I could be clearly missing something. Right. 
But I, I think I've pinpointed enough on the show that I consider certain films, like even like a lot of Italian films, just cross the line a lot. And oh they yeah, just, absolutely. You know, they're being they're being mean for mean's sake. And this film is super brutal. There are some times where it's just uncomfortable, but I don't know if it ever crosses the line. And I think it's because they drop in so much bumbling comedy at times. Well, yeah, they they drop in this the, this bumbling comedy with the LAPD detectives. Um, so there's there's that which lightens it up, but but that's almost kind of true because you know that in in these investigations and stuff like they're not serious all the time you're gonna have yeah you can't be or you'll lose your shit this lighthearted office banter um but then they also have this character uh uh dr Lindsay gale played by flo uh lawrence i guess her, her last name is lawrence now was flo garish back then but um but she's a smart uh psychiatrist like she's a smart woman character so it's not the lead woman character in the film uh, is not some, you know, hot to trot kind of bimbo or whatever. She's actually super smart. She has this uh, radio show, kind of like an Ask Dr. Laura or whatever type radio show. And um, so they, so I think she grounds the film into, you know, so the, you, you're, the players are very clear. You got the bumbling cops. Uh, you have her, who's uh, the smart, um, smart uh, psychiatrist, and then you have Nicholas Worst character, who's the misogynist killer. So I think all that working together, you know, keeps this film from being misogynist, but it still has that level of misogyny from the killer, which is supposed to make us feel uncomfortable. And and it does, and you know, in. And he's doing like there's a couple lines where he I think he falls a little flat, but towards the end of the film when the sweat is just pouring off his face and he's like screaming and the spit is flying, he's like I feel that's so real. Like there's a couple parts in the film where it's like shit, man, he, this guy is pretty believable. And when he comes out and he's like he's got his jeans on, but they're like way way up like you know almost like mid belly like <laughs> on top, like whenever pants are above a belly button that really bothers me because i'm feeling that like the inside of your pants i have a thing with my belly button like i don't like things near it so like <laughs> when i see like pants like on top of a belly button i feel like the part of the like button is going to get in your belly button and it really bothers me but anyways <laughs> he's got his pants so high up and then you know he's he's got like a can of beer and i mean this dude he's he's a big dude you know he's uh, nicholas worth is not like it like at when he got a little bit older you know he got a little chubby but in this like he's still like he's very meaty yeah, he was powerlifting at the time, he said in an interview. Well, he could, like, this, he looks like he could take anybody down. No, he picks up one of the detectives over his head yeah. and tosses him across but the there's room. There's a part where he just kind of gives this monologue. He's like, uh, you know, you're not talking to him. Obviously, he's probably talking to his, you know, his dad, um, you know, but he's like just walking around the living room with a can of beer and just like getting amped up and saying, are, are you proud of me now? Do I measure up? And I was like, oh, my God. This, he has, like, this kind of, like, little bit of a mental breakdown. And he just has this, like, really long monologue that's, that's like, it gives so much insight to the character of, like, 
kind of how crazy he is and kind of like how like you just this big force behind him that's driving him to do all of this and i i don't know like i feel that if they didn't go the route of kind of the comedy aspect um this would have been more kind of scary yeah if they didn't fuck around with the um because some of the music is great um this the soundtrack is really really great but when they show the cops they had this kind of like weird jazz synthesizer score yeah and it's just it's it feels so off like some of the other other stuff that i, I think i tweeted about it the other night because i rewatched it again um is that it feels like brad fidel like if no one knows his name he's like the dude that did the terminator soundtracks but i'm talking about like first terminator like he's dropping like a shit ton of acid and just going ballistic on a keyboard that's kind of what <laughs> don't answer the bone sounds like but then all of a sudden like you're really digging the soundtrack and then it jumps into this kind of jazzercise bullshit like when it shows the cops and then it just makes the cops feel silly and look silly um I don't know. I, it feels like the cops are almost written by someone else. Yeah. Cause there's a scene where like they, they, they find his studio and yeah. And, and one of the cops goes, uh, there's enough porno pictures here to sink a battleship. <laughs> what? Which is ridiculous. All right. Yeah. I officially am buying this movie <laughs> this weekend. I absolutely have to see this. One, one thing though, I feel like the one thing that dates this movie is, like all of this could have been solved if they can if they just would have uh, run up run some prints because he never wears gloves, <laughs> and if they had DNA like DNA evidence and fingerprinting would have nailed well, this guy. I mean, he grabs the girls, but when he actually strangles them, he uses like that panty ho- hose and that coin. Yeah, but he's touching everything in the room. Like he's not being. Well, careful. yeah, I guess so. the dude's hands are all over. Everything. And then they say, like, you know, they do find bodily fluids, too. So it's like, you know, DNA evidence would have put him away for sure. But it wasn't around yet. But I don't know. Yeah. And just there's there's a lot of uh, also um, like just like like you said, there's so many like really corny and silly lines of dialogue. Like at the end of the film, obviously, spoiler free, but. If you remember what the cop says, the final line of the movie, and I was like, wait, is the movie over? Like, is that the last line that in the script it said? Like, I mean, I, I don't I don't really want to say it because it kind of gives gives a little bit away. Well, then it goes to just dead silence. Yeah, and it just ends. I'm like, okay. There's no music over the credits. Like, I really love this movie, but... Like, it's just, there's, like, that one line, and then it just ends abruptly, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, I mean, it, it, even though I've seen it, like, four or five, like, I would say I've seen it maybe three three or four times. It's just, like, I always forget that the ending, it just ends. And I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. But anyways, I, I mean, I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I know. I mean, I highly recommend it. It is worth it for, uh... No pun intended. Nicholas Worth's performance because he is just incredible in it. Like all the way through, he's it. This is the most compelling I think I've and he's I've ever seen him. And and he's always one of those guys you love to see as a henchman in a film, or he always shows up in these action films or you know canon films. And he's he's ends up 
he's, he's ended up in so many films, but I've never ever seen him like this. And it is, uh, it's a sight to behold. Like it's worth watching. Um, trying to see if I have any other, I mean, I don't know, just like, he's just like intensely doing his weights, you know, with his, with his mom jeans and no shirt. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Like it's, it's worth it for him. Yeah, for sure. There's some tonal issues, but for me, I didn't really mind the tonal issues because it kind of took away from the brutality and stuff. Because when I was getting ready to sit down to watch this, I was just like not in the mood for just a, you know, uh, you know, hit me over the head with a machete or a sledgehammer, just brutal and just, you know, just super serious film, which is what I thought it was going to be. You know, like a film like all, you know, the film like Maniac is, is fantastic. I wasn't really in the mood for that sort of film, but I, th- I felt this was kind of well rounded. I thought the detective stuff was, you know, it just took, it gives you a little bit of breathing room. And then you, you know, you know, once he enters, enters the frame, oh, sh- you know, shit's about to go down. And, you know, um, I don't know. There's some stuff. There's there's some gems in this film, though, worth you know, worth checking out on your own. I don't want to spoil anything at all. But BJ, let me say, let me just say this: If somebody showed up at your house and said, "Oh, so and so sent me to over to photo- uh, to you know to photograph you," uh, and you knew that that was not the case or that could not be the case, would you still invite that oh, person no. in the room? In the Sorry, house? they're not here. Bye. And then close the door in their face. And then call the cops and say, there's a creepy fucking dude trying to take my picture outside. Yeah. Please get him. This is what he looks like. Apparently mom jeans. Yes. Well, it's just crazy how th- times are so different now because of cell phones. Like he asks to, to come in and use her phone, you know, uh, so he can call her manager to sort out the double booking or whatever, you know, so you pretend, you know. I would have straight up been like, I'm so sorry. Uh, I recently escaped an Amish cult. <laughs> And phones are the one thing from, you know, the Americans or the English, as they call them. Uh, I'm sorry. This is the one thing of the English that I have not been able to adjust yet. So I don't have a phone. Sucks to suck. Try the gas station. (laughs) Totally. Like, that's what would happen. He seems he's surprisingly like is light on his feet, too. Like, he's a big dude. But when he's, you know, sneaking up, especially in the first scene, when he's sneaking up on on that woman who's on the phone, it's. It's uh that reveal is pretty chilling. There's there's a few there's a few things in the movie like there's that hot wax scene that's pretty tough to watch. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a few things in the film where like you kind of cringe when he's attacking because it like it feels like I mean the actresses are doing great too because they're totally like making this believable, which honestly is probably fucking scary when Nicholas Worth and his mom jeans is holding you down and screaming and pouring hot wax. No, I know. Like, I would be scared, too. So it's probably, like, a legit reaction. Who knows? But, um, yeah, no, I I agree. I think anybody that likes sleazy um, kind of 70s and 80s kind of cop, murder, serial killer stuff, this is totally right up your alley. I'm super into this already, just from your descriptions. All right. Then what else else we got? All right. Um, Well... Well, the, anyway, I was gonna say the disc is great. There's a couple of great oh, interviews doing, doing the whole package on there to check out, and it looks fantastic. Um, yeah. Next up, we're gonna dive into the world 
of 70s actor mm. Peter Carpenter. This is what I am and what I'll always And we're going to talk about uh, Blood Mania first and then Point of Terror. Uh, this is a limited edition double feature that they put out. Two terrifying super shockers that will rip the screams right out of your throat. Whoa. Huh. That's a bold claim. I don't think these films are this that scary. Uh, so anyway, well, first we'll talk about Blood Mania. Blood Mania. 1970. <laughs> Let me pull up my notes because I had some interesting notes. Uh, the, the One of the only notes I have on here is Blood Mania is like a porno that keeps getting interrupted. No. The first half, anyway. No, what I mean is like the first half, the first, at least the first half, it's always him and his girlfriend or his wife or whoever. They're about to get it on. Things are getting serious. And then someone comes in, someone comes in and interrupts them. This happens like constantly for the first 20 to 30 minutes. And it gets really humorous because it's, it's exactly like, you know, the porno scene's about to happen and it does not. Wow. Which is pretty comical to me. But then, you know, sexy time does happen later on. But uh, I, I, for a while, I was like, what is going on here? It's like that. It's like the, you know, 40 year old virgin stuff with the uh, you just can't get a break. Nothing's working out. I'm, I'm kind of curious if you understand the towards the end of the <laughs> film of what the twist twist of the film is. I think I do. I uh, I remember I watched it, but uh, I don't know if I paid that much attention. Well, because this was a tough movie to get oh, through, whatever. in my opinion. This movie's great. Peter Carpenter is hilarious uh, to me as this, you know, the actor in particular. Well, I, I'll say for the audience that's that are hardcore listeners and know things. We have a little bit of Kay Parker and Taboo show up in this film later on, and that's one of the reasons why it's so weird in the beginning. It was because there's a little oh. secret in the film. Well, okay, I haven't watched Taboo, so I do not know. So, but anyways, um, so Brad, what's the what's the what's the plot of Blood Mania? Uh, because I'll ruin it. Well, I'll totally ruin it. Because I, I did not, as a whole, did not like this film. Well, I would rather talk about the film rather than the plot. Because the plot is a little boring. Um, but I think to spice it up. Because telling the plot of this movie, I really think you're going <laughs> to turn people away. Uh, this movie is a erotic type of thriller mixed in with some horror elements. Um, it is basically a soap opera that's very, very sleazy with some nightmarish and dreamlike sequences. Um, it's very oddly decorated. Um, it's, uh, it's very colorful, like nothing fucking matches. Um, 
And I think it's part of just it being so unsettling. Um, like, cause you, it, it's hard to tell, like, cause I mean, someone's like wearing like a girl's wearing like a purple dress. One of the guys is wearing like a, a, a red, like jacket. They're sitting on a yellow chair with green carpet with like, you know, um, fucking black curtains in the back with this weird, like hazy color palette over everything. Um, so when you're sitting there watching it, you, you, you feel like you're almost like maybe watching a state, like a, a bad stage play, like where they just randomly grab things that they pot, you know, that they, the only things they could get together, like nothing matches, but it also looks so good. Um, this is the same, same thing is that, that, that it's lit very, very well. Um, aside from maybe a couple scenes here and there. But there's this also like weird kind of giallo string music that's playing that makes it more kind of nightmarish through and through. And there's a lot of weird like I wouldn't want to say kind of Italian horror movie shots when dead bodies and killers pop up. I don't know. I, I really like Blood Mania because it's just so out there. Um, the plot is just very bland and silly. Yeah, you nailed it when you said, uh, yeah, uh, soap opera for sure. Yeah, it, it's like, it's very, like, it's kind of what you feel like you're watching, but it's how they kind of go about everything. They just amplify, um, kind of the dialogue's completely out of place. The characters are all over the top. But, I mean, this film is mostly, great because of its setting and how it looks and the fucking like just look at the fucking couches and furniture in this movie like i want them like i want (laughs) i want to be able to go back like in the 60s and 70s and buy like when they were trying to do that futuristic furniture shit like i mean it looks something like you would see like on a spaceship but you know people like had this in their homes and that's kind of what this is um, but anyways, I really like Blood Mania because it is so weird and out there. Um, and Peter, Peter Carpenter, I mean, he's in this in Point of Terror. And this guy is totally in love with himself. Um, and it's hard to believe yes. that Peter Carpenter didn't go on to do more things. Um, and I mean, that's pretty much Blood Mania. And that would be, you know, a good segue into point of terror because peter carpenter didn't have very many movies um i would say just maybe a handful. i would say maybe under 10 films that he's done in his life uh i i don't know how many but i know that he just kind of stopped making movies and it's it's hard for me to believe that and just know that he maybe just walked away because this guy is so in love with himself. He's kind of like the white Dolomite in a way where Rudy Ray Moore is Rudy May, May's more biggest fan. Like Peter Carpenter thinks he's hot shit. He thinks he's fucking Tom Jones or some <laughs> shit. Like he's doing some lounge singing in fucking Point of Terror. The opening of Point of Terror, if you're not pulled in by his opening dance routine sequence why the credits are rolling like then just turn it off and give up because that's how the whole movie is 
it is just focused on him. Well, once this started, I knew I was like, this is going to be better than Blood Mania. See, and that's the thing is, I don't think it is. I think it's more. I think the dialogue's a little well, it's crazier. Just entertainment but value it's the because of the lounge thing. thing. It is, it's, it's literally <laughs> another soap opera being told, but definitely toned down a lot. And mainly focusing on Peter Carpenter's dance moves and his lounge singing. And there's how many breakdowns are like how many sequences does he just sing? Like four? And it's know. like and it's whole songs. Dude, I was gonna start tallying. They they don't just do half no, a song. He performs the whole entire thing. But you know, the thing is is that Peter Carpenter's obviously enjoying himself. He's all about it. Um he he I, I was looking at the thing he co wrote the movie, he produced it, he stars in it, he's wanting to be Tom Jones. Um and I, I wanna know why he quit. Like where did he go? Like I it seems like he was so in love with what he was doing. The only thing I'd think about is that these films came out and then no one talked about them and they just bombed. Um it, and then he was just upset about it. I mean that that could be. But um, you know, both both of the films they're like you look at the covers and you think you're gonna get some type of like you know weird science fiction hammer horror, but you don't. They're both very like horror dramas. Um, I wouldn't really say horror; they're melodramas. You know, um, they're just yeah. A, there's not really much yeah, horror. Yeah, it's just to these. a lot of soap opera. But there's just some weird things that happen with the characters and. And shit like that, but um, for the most part, they're pretty tame. It's just they're super weird. That's that's the thing about both of these films is that they they it's a great pair to put them together because they're both bizarre and they're both bizarre in the same way of this odd looking Peter Carpenter guy trying to be more than he actually is and just giving it a hundred and ten percent. Well, I mean, I appreciate his 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 definitely enthusiasm for these roles, and he's very charismatic. And it's just that he doesn't like he doesn't belong in these movies. Like he's playing a completely different level because I don't think anybody else is enjoying themselves as much as he is. Yeah, but, um, uh, I may have some information on Peter Carpenter. Oh, okay, okay. This is from, I don't know, some blog in 2016 where someone did some digging. And what it says here is there's absolutely little to no verifiable information available about Peter Carpenter's death. Ooh. IMDb lists him as having died from a massive cerebral hemorrhage in December of 1971. So that's right after Point of Terror. Yeah, on the Point of Terror DVD from Scorpion, there's an added value segment entitled Remembering Peter Carpenter, in which his friend and acting teacher... And co-star Leslie Sims vaguely recollect, uh, recollects that he died of pneumonia sometime in the late 70s and early 80s. There's like no concrete information on how or when he died. But uh, but that's all That's all I got on the, on the little bit of digging that I found. Oh, and that's really sad. Cause he's, yeah, sorry to bring it down, everybody. Sorry to bring uh, it down. Yeah, he's, he, you know, he's... He's doing like that actually does make me a little sad because he is giving it his all and we don't have um you know you can you can tell that he's enjoying himself and, and that's the reason why kind of Ray Moore works is that he's legitimately enjoying himself he might be annoying he might be a little over the top but you know if 
if you're watching a movie and you can tell, no matter how bad the movie is, how good the movie is, if you can tell that the people on screen are obviously having a good time, there's something about those films that kind of sit with you and make it worth it. And that's one of the main reasons why I like shot on video uh, horror and dramas is because those people aren't in it for the money. They're not in it to make a big break. They're friends of friends of friends making a movie on a fucking weekend. And it's more or less kind of like a party that's happening rather than actual movie making. And there's something about camaraderie and, you know, just just getting together and making movies with your friends that's fun. And honestly, that's what Peter Carpenter's doing. Yes, these films have bigger budgets, obviously, but he's totally into what he's doing. And Point of Terror, you can totally see that. And that's the reason why you can sit back and have a good time and watch him dance and sing and just like, dude, this guy is fucking ridiculous. Like, this dude needs to sit down. But at the same time, you're like, no, he's he's the reason why this movie (laughs) is so good. And we're sitting here watching it. And honestly, if you took Peter Carpenter out of the film and you put some mundane, good-looking actor in it, we wouldn't be talking about Blood Mania and Point of Terror right now. They would be probably shelled and not being looked up again because Peter Carpenter's the reason why these films yeah. were popular is because he is crazy. He's he's doing he's giving a hundred and he's more he's doing more than uh fucking um what do we who just thought Nicholas Worth. He's giving a hundred and fifty percent. Nicholas Worth only gave a hundred and ten percent and don't answer the phone. Peter Carpenter's giving a hundred and fifty percent. And um in in Point of Terror, for sure. Yeah, yes. Point of Terror. I mean, he's he's a little bit of a smaller, you know, obviously smaller doses in in Blood Mania, um, mainly because it's like five people like are the leads in Blood Mania. Um, yeah. But I mean, he's 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 the one that has everything going for him in in uh, in Point of Terror. But you know that that does make me a yeah. little sad because I, I feel like we would have had more Peter Carpenter films. And we would have had a Peter Carpenter box set or something like that. So anyways, it, it's sad. There, there's probably – I didn't get to watch the uh, the commentaries, listen to the commentaries or anything. I'm sure that um, – I'm sure that he's mentioned – because I know that there's a, a commentary with Leslie Sims. So I'm positive she probably would d- divulge more information in these uh, commentaries. I said didn't get a chance to listen to them yet. So I'm uh, – I'm, I'm ex- you know, looking forward to checking those out because I'm sure we'll uh, learn a lot more about you know about him and and possibly like you know what happened. So, um, let's yes. keep things moving along. Everybody. What are we talking about next? And uh, let's jump into Slaughterhouse. This little pig ran wee 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 all the way home. <laughs> Oh, I can come back. <laughs> something. Finally, I, don't know, I was like, we got to get to something BJ's seen. Oh, thank you, God. I I looked at our, our lineup and I went, oh, I've seen most of these. Oh, we're covering the three I haven't seen all right in a row. Right off well, the I figured we can get them out of the way and, you know. <laughs> no, Slaughterhouse from 1987, directed by Rick Rossler. And uh, this was released before... Um, by uh, 88 Films did a copy, did a version of this, a, a, a UK Blu-ray, 
And now Vinegar Syndrome is releasing theirs. Yeah, we only had a VHS copy, and then there was like there was this bootleg company that came out called like Vault of Horrors or something like that, and they released um a few bootleg uh uncut movies. They did the burning um, they did, uh, you know, they're not legit at all, but they did, uh, Slaughterhouse and, um, it was like, it was called like Matt, like 1313 horror or something like that. And like vault of horror. And I remember paying like 50 bucks for this fucking DVD, like on eBay back in the day. Cause that was, like, <laughs> oh, slasher film. that was $50 well it. spent, wasn't it? Yep. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I was fucking pissed as shit, and I haven't watched this movie since until it came out on Blu-ray. I <laughs> fell asleep within the first 20 minutes, and I forgot to finish it before we scheduled this uh, podcast. So am I the only one that has somewhat of an optimistic approach to this movie? I would, I would love to hear your approach to this film. I mean, I, I want to... Well, I want to finish it. Like, it's not fair for me to even talk about it because I haven't finished it. So I, I have really no opinion. Um, <laughs> I was so mad <laughs> watching this movie that I, like, passed the point of anger. And then it turned into me laughing my ass off for being <laughs> so mad. And then I was like, shit, I'm laughing really hard. I kind of like this. Fuck this movie. I don't want to like this, but I had a blast with it. Um, <laughs> slaughterhouse. Um, so let's just say that a seven foot tall guy that probably looks you in the eye way too long at a fast food restaurant um, worked at a slaughterhouse and was the star of a slasher film. <laughs> and that, that's your focal point is like every guy who you intentionally avoid in public because you don't know what they're capable of. That's this guy. Like there's nothing about him that makes me think like, Oh, he's probably like a murderer. But part of me is like, he probably smells terrible and wants to like touch my earlobe or something super weird and out of control. Um, and that's how I feel about our lead in slaughterhouse. I'm going to touch people's earlobes that's, now. It, see what oh happens. God. Like that's, it's so impersonal and weird and I hate it. Um, <laughs> Not like that strangers do that to me often. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> have you so had weird. earlobes cut more than once by a stranger? No. And and, and mainly one that looks like, no, what's no, it, no. Billy? I don't know. It's something stupid, isn't it? Joe B. Barton. But his, his character is, uh, what? Buddy. That's Buddy, what Bacon. Buddy Bacon. Jesus yep. Christ. And his dad is Lester Bacon. Lester and Buddy Bacon. <laughs> God, it's so ridiculous. Um. I, I also have, like, a really weird feeling about the mentally handicapped killer films of yesteryear. Mm. They, make me, they make me personally really uncomfortable because it kind of perpetuates a narrative that people that have mental instability um, are, you know, inherently dangerous. And that bothers me. And this one feels like really on the cusp of exploiting that idea. Like it's real close. Like it's not outright like he's dangerous cause he's slow or whatever. I'm not going to say the R word. Um, but it's almost there. It's, it's like right, right on the cusp of being 
offensive to the point where like it it makes me uncomfortable um but then it also like it's weird because it's taking that but it's also like trying to draw the parallel that you got with kind of the the Sawyer family of Texas Chainsaw Massacre which I think is what they were chasing I hope that's what they were chasing unless they thought this was a completely unique fucking idea and they're wrong but I don't know no, I, I think I think they were definitely going after that. I mean, there there are there are many you know elements to to film the setting, the characters. I mean, all grouped together. I mean, yeah, they're they're definitely channeling yeah, uh, Texas Chainsaw in this. It's just that they wanted to, I guess, make it more of a comedy. But honestly, I don't find this at, like I don't even find like how I would say this would be a comedy is the same thing as how trauma films are apparently comedies i don't laugh yeah like i just look at it and i'm like how long how much longer is this gonna go like this feels like something that would come out of the trauma uh studio well i watched the um one of the special features is kind of like a like a retrospective not a retrospective but it's um like talking to the people who made it and like talking about the trials and tribulations of how they did everything like a more of a making of but it it was less of a making of and more of like this is why we love what we did so much and at one point they talk about how this was supposed like they wanted this to be the scariest like most horrific thing but we're gonna balance that scariness with like slapstick comedy because otherwise people will be too scared and the whole time i'm thinking like but even the scary parts aren't scary dude like you you not only water down what should be scares, but I don't know. At the same time, watching it, they all seem very proud of what they've done. And that lets me know, like, okay, then this just wasn't for me. Because clearly it's something that they love, that they're passionate about, that they feel really strongly about, like, what they've created. And if maybe they've just bought into their own their own hype. Or they're sincerely that excited and think they did something good. And if they really think they did, then that means somebody else is going to agree with them. So it's just not for me. Oh, no, they definitely they definitely have a following with this film. Um, I've heard a lot of people talk about this film through the years. And I, I agree with you. Like, when the film starts up, we have some, you know, we have some pretty charismatic characters that, you know, they're not your normal-looking characters. Um you know, yeah, they look like actual people. Right. Like, you know, it's, you know, some some of the guys are just normal looking. Some of the girls are just normal looking. There's one girl that has very strong different features that you normally wouldn't She's see. She's a very handsome woman. You know, um, but, you know, we have some we have some captivating kids. But, I mean, we have a really kind of boring movie. Um, we have a non-scary killer that we just can't help to laugh at when he snorts and acts like a pig. Yeah, it's hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the beginning of the film, it does have kind of an eerie setting. It has a good setup. But once we show Buddy, God, Buddy Bacon, that's such a dumb fucking name. I can't even... Buddy Bacon. For real. <laughs> but once we see Buddy Bacon well, and, and like first the... kill, it's like, oh, this is dip, this is weird. You know, um, well, and also our lead girl's name is Liz Borden. Like, yeah. come on. Like I, I don't know if that's part of the slapstick or they were just trying to like be clever. But I mean, maybe in the 80s, people weren't. I don't know. 
I want to say they maybe didn't know who, maybe the Lizzie Borden tour didn't <laughs> exist then and no one knew who she was. But still, I mean, it, it, and another thing is, is that really bothers me uh, with, with the film is that, like, we have kind of this, we do have an eerie setup. We, we see the killer, we're like, okay, you know, I've seen the movie before, so I kind of knew it was coming. But a, a first time watching this, I, I don't remember my first time watching it. I just remember being pissed off at the end. Um, but it starts off, you're like, oh man, this is, okay, I could kind of see where this is going. And then we just hear some really bombastic circus music, and then we watch pigs get mutilated for, you know, five minutes during the credit sequence. And I'm and like, really graphic. what's the point? It's, it's like the opening of Cooties. Yeah, but it's, like, at least Cooties, like, we're just watching meat, like, I'm not a vegetarian. I I eat meat and I will always eat meat, but there's also this sense of kind of like I'm not I don't want to watch my meat get killed and it in or ex, or exploited like, you know, with us, I mean, we we try to do kind of the, you know, more like grass-fed, you know, animal uh when when we buy meat. Or if they're humanely killed. Yeah, I want them to be like, I want nice music to be on and I want them to be like <laughs> petted and given their favorite snack. And and then when they least expect it, you just chop their head off. <laughs> you know, maybe give it a bat. <laughs> you know, like pigs and cows, I mean, they're bred to die. And, you know, the same thing with chickens. I mean, a lot of these animals, they're bred to die, and they don't have very much time because, uh, you know, some of them are genetically enhanced (laughs) and, you know, all GMOs are put in them. So they only got like a week living here. They're like a fucking beetle. Um, So, like, you know, I I necessarily don't want to see that. Like, I've watched... Those docs, I've watched those clips, and man, I just turns my stomach. And yeah, sometimes I'm like, man, I think I might want to give up on meat. And then I think about how good a steak tastes, and I'm just like, <laughs> nah. Um, but I, I don't know. There's just something really off-putting when you, you know, it's one of the reasons why I don't like Faces of Death. Um, is that you know I, I don't mind watching the fake shit, but when you like take and go into a slaughterhouse or something, there's something about that. You know, it's funny. I could watch slaughtering real people all day, but when it comes to animals, I, I can't do it. You know, but it's just it's it's just a really bad segue. Like it's a really bad credit sequences, and it's they're just playing circuit. Like it sounds like fucking circus music or some shit. Yeah, and it just like immediately like I remember like rewatching this just recently, and I was like, ah, oh, shit. I fucking I really do hate this movie. Like, it, it does get a little bit better because we have, like, some really great, like, act kid actors. And, you know, they're not your typical punks like they are in most, most films. You have a couple assholes. But for the most part, you know, they're likable people. Yeah, well, like, Sherry, Sherry Lee, who plays um, Liz Borden, like, the whole purpose of her character is that she wants to be a director. And I think yeah. that that's really kind of cool that like right off the bat we're getting like kind of a female director narrative push like that's cool right and, the, and this thing is but we get like there's so much buddy bacon and lester bacon thrown in yeah. and i'm just like nah so anyways i i don't know 
I think I think there is a fan base for. Did it. you see the uh, the weirdo commercial they did? There's a commercial. I don't know if it was for a used car or something. It was in the special features, but Lester and Buddy Bacon, as them like as their characters, did a car like a car commercial or some, or like a non smoking commercial or some bullshit, and wow. it's the weirdest thing. Oh wow! I I need to check that out. Talk about like limited audience. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I think it was like a local commercial to wherever they made well, it. Well, I mean, you say that, but how how big was this movie when it came out? I don't know. Let I was it up. not even close to being born yet. So well, because here's the thing: is that you know we we say like limited audience, but man, these films that you know maybe are kind of cult films today, they were, or maybe they you know we think that they didn't do great, or they were just smaller compared to like Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth. Some of these films did quite well at the box office. I mean, you know, forget we had, um, you know, like specialty and specialty things that you wouldn't expect from a horror film that would hit the like kind of mainstream market. It happens every once in a while. I'm curious. I'm look- it was given a limited release theatrically in the U.S. and it went it went to VHS pretty quickly. That's one of those that people probably started renting on VHS and you know boost his popularity. But yeah, it has a it has a following for sure. I remember when it was announced from eighty eight films, people lost their shit, and people were really excited that it was coming out. So I don't know, you know, either they just are looking for rare things and are just excited that something rare is coming out, or there really is a following. But I mean, to get like you know, well, I mean. It's the same thing with kind of those trauma films and everything. There's a following for those. People like kind of the goofy horror, and that's what this is, you know? Yeah. All right. So Let's let's move on. Woo. Let's move on. Uh, let's move on to a film that's not a sequel to Witchboard. Mm. Talking Kevin Tenney's Witch Trap. A lot of these old houses had private chapels in the attic. With an inverted cross? Son of a bitch. Mr. Vicente, are you a religious man? Oh, I'm sorry. I never discuss religion on any day with a Y in it. Alright, guys, I'm gonna stop for one second and ask a very important question. Okay. What in the actual fuck did I watch? Witch Trap. Yes. Also known as The Presence. Yeah. What? what? <laughs> it was also, yeah, it was also titled The Presence. Yeah, I, I have a lot to say about uh, Witch Trap, so let's, <laughs> let's get into it. Uh, some paranormal researchers are called in to basically uh, investigate that there could be an evil satanic ghost witch living in there. Basically, they're trying to make it uh, suitable for guests because yeah. <laughs> we have to, you know, de ghost this place so that we can run a business. I think de ghost should be something that we ca- catch on. That's about as good as Ryan Turk's ghost roids. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think I'm just going to, I think I'm going to just open up a business. Uh. Pop a number out there and just call it de-ghosting <laughs> and see how many calls I actually get. 
so there's like there's some actual like paranormal type people in there and then there's like some other people like i can't remember what they were for like linnea quigley is not her character is not like a paranormal researcher she's like just kind of along for the ride no she's a videographer the videographer that's right okay 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 it's all coming back to me sure (laughs) i honestly could not tell you what happens in this movie past that because within the first 10 minutes I must have looked over at Zach a hundred times and went, I have no idea what the, f- what is happening or why it's happening. And I'm very impatient. <laughs> this is a Satanist and he had a satanic altar in the house and he's haunting that house because he has a satanic altar and something's right, hidden stop, in the walls stop, or stop, somewhere. Stop, stop, and stop, he's stop. just bad. So God, you just, you just ran like, are you not into this? I don't understand. So anyways, Witch Trap is... I had a lot of fun with Witch Trap. John uh, John Cho is fantastic in it. I had no fun. I'm so, glad someone did. I was frustrated. No one got my John Cho joke. Damn they, hire, they hire cops to protect these de-ghosters to go in and use a Ghostbuster machine, a Ghostbuster trap, in order to trap the ghost on a mantle. Um, where his ashes are, because that's where they set up the Ghostbusters trap, right? The, like, pull I want them you in. to know that I'm currently rolling my eyes so hard that I might <laughs> turn into Gina Davis and Beetlejuice, and it's gonna pop out my mouth. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, we have the the thing is, is that I, I, I I'm with Sean. The the film is fun just because of how over the top it's every ridiculous. single person is. Like, like the cop, they just completely shit on one another through the entire movie, and then the cops shit on the fucking goat de ghosters. The goats. Uh, but yes, no. It, it, the only my only issue with the film is that it kind of just builds all this shit up, and then it's just like, nah. <laughs> you know, we have the Linnea Quigley kill. That's, That's fantastic, fun. and then the ending. You know, the ending's a lot of fun with, with with all the you know gore and and shit like that. But for the most part, the movie's pretty tame. Like I feel that this movie should have been a fucking bloodbath. <laughs> we should have had at least three more ghosters, you know, at least two more cops, and had a little bit higher a body count. Well, it's Kevin Tenney. I was expecting a little more on, on that level. There is a great yeah. head explosion though. Like one of the best. Oh I've yeah, seen. yeah, yeah. Forgot, forgot, forgot about the head explosion. Yeah. You know, but yes, th- there are some like great things about the film. But I mean, I think knowing kind of Kevin Tenney's run, and I'm even yes, I will stand by this movie. And even Kevin Tenney called bullshit on like no shit. He called bullshit on me one time because I praised Pinocchio's revenge, <laughs> uh, and, and he's like, you know. You know, you're just you're just shitting around. And I was like, no, man. Uh, I'm like legitimately. I really like Pinocchio's Revenge. I think it's creepy. It's got some great special effects. Like I'm on board. No, it's not great or anything, but that movie's a lot of fun, and it's a lot better than most of the '90s stuff that we got, and even in the late '80s. Um, but honestly, like from Pinocchio's Revenge. The Night of the Demons to Witchboard. I mean, we, which is Witch Trap is not a sequel to Witchboard. Um, 
I said that. <laughs> no, I know, but they reiterate that countless times. I think it's on the front and the back. Of the box. <laughs> um, it's on. It's on the disc itself. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I think they're just channeling what the VHS did because it was all over the tape. Because I have the tape too. That's what. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. But I don't know. It just seems pretty tame for Kevin Tenney, and it seems like a setup for a bloodbath. Kind of like the same thing with Night of the Demons. Like you know, you're going to get a high body count. You know it's going to be ridiculous. But for some reason, it just it seems a little too tame. We have fun characters, but when the characters meet their demise, some of them, a couple of them are good, but most of them are just really bland. And I, I don't know, I, I think I'm just expecting more. And this is my, I don't know, maybe second or third time watching Wit Trap. This is something I kind of grew up on. Um... I don't know. It gets a little bit better on rewatches, but for the most part, I don't know. Like, I, I I just want. I think because I know Kevin Tenney's filmography, I think if I went in this blind, not knowing who Kevin Tenney was or have any preconceived notions, I probably would enjoy it a little bit more. Because I think this is probably the last film that I saw in in Kevin Tenney's uh, filmography. Um, so yeah, I guess it's a little disappointing. But if you go in blind. You know the film's probably not that bad. For for I mean, it, it is not that bad, but I'm saying you might enjoy it a little bit more than you know myself or Sh- Sean or BJ, if that matter, because Sean sounds like he might jizz on it. I I had fun with it, but did nobody think that one of the cops looked just like John Cho? Am I the only person? Oh, so that's not his name. I don't know who John Cho is. He's uh Harold and Kumar. Oh, I didn't think he looks like John Cho at all. So that's why he, I didn't get your joke, dude. Dude, no, he's more Brandon Lee. Than <laughs> he John looks Cho. just like him. No, he's more Brandon Lee than John. I'm Cho. looking at a picture of John. Well, you know, a cross between, but you know, in the in certain sequences, I was like, that guy looks like John Cho. I don't know. I thought that was his. That's just me, I guess. But I'm looking at pictures right now, back like side by side, and I'm like, the dude's John Doing Cho. Some side by sides. All right, fine, fine, whatever. <laughs> Horrible joke. You can put it on the Instagram. Make everybody vote on it. Be like, is does this dude look like John Cho? Okay, I might do that. (laughs) And he has the he has he has a great line. He says, "Say goodnight, Gracie." How is that a great line? I I wrote it down because it was so out there and stupid. (laughs) I don't know why he would even say that to a ghost sorcerer, ghost uh, satanic ghost man. Wow. Who's obviously his name is I not feel Gracie. Like there's some anger in here. <laughs> no, there's like here's the thing is that uh, the Brandon Lee John Brandon Cho, like his his character, all the time is just relentless with like insults. Like you know his basically his is like he, the only person he's nice to is the fucking partner that he has, but like to the lieutenant. And all the degosters, like, you know, he walks in, he's like, oh, you guys are full of shit, bitches. Yeah. And it's like, dude, fucking relax, man. And, like, there's also that one, there's that one scene that really, really is, I think it stands out amongst everything else is when they're all in the same room together. It's when they first enter the house. They're all in the same room. And and it never shows the curtain, but then everybody is like, oh, my God, something's behind the curtain. <laughs> and then Brandon Cho walks to the window 
And he's like, it's nothing. And then, like, it just ends. And it's like, wait a second. Why didn't we see, like, were you just trying to make running time longer, so, Kevin man. That seems like, this, so bad. This is, like, the worst, worst gag ever. Like, we don't even see, like, even shoes, like, that are just placed under the curtain that are, you know, no one's in them. We don't even get any, we don't even see the fucking curtain. We just see Brandon Cho walk to the window and is like, fuck you guys, you're wrong, motherfuckers. <laughs> hey, Lieutenant, suck my dick. Like, that's what the whole film's like. And it's just like, you know, as much as, like, I like Brandon Cho, he just needs to fucking tone it down a little bit. Everyone's Googling fiercely for Brandon Cho. You're not going to find it. I, I can't, I don't know which actor it is. There's no pictures by the actors on IMDb. I, I don't know. I'm sorry. Otherwise, we'd get this actor's name right. I'm just going with Brand- Brandon Cho. Instead, we're just going to be horrifically racist and just name two Asian actors and splice their names together. <laughs> we're just being those guys right now. Totally. Sorry, everybody. For what it's worth, I'm not going to go see Ghost in the Shell. Oh, my so. God. Oh, wow. You're so brave. <laughs> I know. Right? Right? Oh, man. That's right. I do my part. Put that on your LinkedIn page under special skills. Endorse <laughs> you. A white man avoided whitewashing films. <laughs> fucking uh, Let's give you a Pepsi commercial. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> witch oh trap. Back to witch trap. Uh, no, I think we're done on the witch trap. Are we done? Are we done with witch trap? The, the, the ghosters get to watch, uh, use the Ghostbuster machine, and it's really cool. <laughs> but witch trap looks great, uh, as always. And if you're a fan of Kevin Tenney films, which I am, uh, if you, you, I think you will find some enjoyment out of this. And I'll, I'll, I'll definitely, when I kind of go through the Kevin Tenney flicks again, I'll definitely be giving this a rewatch. Um, I'm going to actually pretend it's a sequel. Watch Pinocchio's Revenge. To which board? Which is not. But I'll pretend it is. I mean, he might as well made it a sequel to freaking which board. I hope he listens to this podcast and then like tweets at you and is like, hey, fucko. It's not a sequel to which board. That's all it says. (laughs) Yeah, they made made fucking two other movies to which board. Anyway, the non- uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna stop. All right, let's the move non, on. Non non sequel to which board? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on into. Uh, let's take a let's take a step into the back room. Uh, that segue is always gonna be bad. It's only bad because you get so nervous saying back room. <laughs> It's a back room of a store where they sell (sighs) pornographic films. For those of you just joining the podcast and listening for the first time, I have some deep rooted uh, issues still stuck in my system. (laughs) And I keep debating going to therapy. However, where I live, there are no good therapists. I'd have to head more towards L.A. And that's too long of a drive for good therapy. So I just keep it all. And uh, hide it all down and cry myself to sleep every night on my vagina-shaped pillow. Oh, Jesus. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I know originally for going into this back room, uh, we were going to leave the picaramas for the end, but I'm going to... 
Let's, let's blaze through those now. Yeah, I'm just going to go through them now. Um, so there's a lot of them. And uh, I just wanted to kind of touch on the titles of all of them, make sure everyone's familiar with them, and then let you know which one is my personal favorite. Um, so first of all, you have Sherlock Holmes. Mm. Uh, I love <laughs> a good sex pun. I think they're fantastic. They are what make the world go round. And currently pun porn is really the only thing that's still making money. So it's kind of nice to see an older pun porn. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There's reunion. Uh, Reunion is, uh, it's porn for those who really like reading Fabio novels and touching themselves. I guess that's the best way I can describe it. Um, Love champions and rolling desires, I think are both, um, I don't want to say run of the mill because that's doing, doing the films a disservice, but they're pretty similar to a lot of the titles that get released through the Picarama. So if those tickle your pickle, then these probably will too. Um, so I like those ones. And then I think it's the previous month. Um, no, I think we touched on the previous month. Um, so yeah, those are, those are the four Picaramas. If I had to pick my favorite one, um, it would probably have to be reunion. That's just me though. But I don't know. It depends on what you like. Um, we get a lot of feedback on the horror and a lot of feedback on kind of the exploitation and cult cinema. None of you ever want to talk porn with us. So I don't know what you want. <laughs> I don't know what to give you. But I'm a big fan of Reunion and Sherlock Holmes. I think of those two, they are kind of like sexy mysteries. Mm, sexy um, mysteries. Uh, for lack of a better word. Like, Yeah. <laughs> Super sexy mystery. Whereas uh, Boiling Desires and Love Champions uh, remind me kind of of the release they did with Let's Get Physical and, and Body Girls. Um, it's very, very similar to that. But they star Tobolina. So we've seen her before. She's lovely. Yeah, Reunion's super sweet. So that's what I got in the Picaramas, guys. Did you watch any of them, Brad? Um, I didn't actually get to any of the Picaramas. I got to um, kind of just the the single 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 discs and stuff like that. Yeah, I usually tend to like take a night or two and just kind of go through all the Picaramas. Sometimes all the friends come over and they're always really concerned. They're like, "Wait, what are you putting on?" I'm like, "You're welcome." <laughs> um, yeah, I think I don't know why more people don't buy the Picaramas. I think they're super fun and. Anytime I go to a convention, like people like glaze over them, don't make eye contact. And I'm like, just pick up the goddamn porn, like pay for your pornography. I got in like this huge heated argument, of course, on the Internet, because I don't have any real friends um, (laughs) about piracy. And one of the points I made is that, you know, if you exclusively watch your porn through like tube sites or things like that, um, you know, that's you're, you're stealing from the artists, like unless it's them putting out like a trailer or like a clip to inspire you to buy something. Like a lot of times people just, just straight up steal porn and put them on these tube sites. And they're like, well, you know, it's different. It's different. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not different. There are still actors. There are still directors. There are still writers, editors, people that have to be paid. And if you're stealing their shit or downloading it illegally, like that's still fucking piracy. And pornography sort of sets the standard for, a lot of things like there's even the joke in Tropic Thunder where he's talking about like, you know, DVD and Blu-ray, 
you know, took over as the medium because that's what pornography was using. So if everybody's stealing their pornography, then they start thinking it's okay to steal like their cinema, like cinematic films. And it's, it's just really fucked up how they're like, there's this weird double standard of like, I'm going to stand on the soapbox and berate people for stealing movies or for, you know, sneaking into movie theaters, but I'm not paying for my porn. Like go fuck yourself. Like that's so hypocritical and stupid. I'm off my soapbox. Off the soapbox. <laughs> no, I agree with you. Yeah. It just it just bothers me. So yeah, uh Scream cast listeners, um talk to me about pornography. Talk to me talk to me about what you like. How can I better serve you by recommending things? Because if you don't tell me anything, I don't know what the fuck you want. Damn, now I just got So let me know what you want. Now I just think you scared people away. I'm gonna give you boners, damn it. No, but for real though, tell me, tell, talk to me. You can DM me. It's fine. I won't, I won't tattle on you, but yeah. So those are the Picaramas. Let's talk about those, uh, standalone films, Brad. Cause I don't think Sean watched any of them. Cause they, they give him the creeps. Um, I watched, um, love Bob Chin's love slaves. I'm a big Bob Chin fan. I love, uh, Same. I love, I love his, uh, take on kind of, pornography because he really tries to think outside the box and really tries to at least i mean he at least tries that's what he he does i mean we have sometimes we want porn where we just want to watch some people do it um and then sometimes we have people that want some stories um honestly when i'm watching this since vinegar syndrome releases them in abundance like this um i tend to get a little burnt out on kind of the 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 TNA and and you know Dick and the Vajate the fucking for fucking. yeah the the fucking for fucking movies where you know uh well before I jump into Love Slaves uh let's jump into um the Place Beyond Shame uh Seika's big breakout role um you know God, I love her she's so wonderful she, she's great she's very pretty um but I mean we have uh Place Beyond Shame that's uh eighty you know, 80 minutes, and um, I think maybe 70 minutes of it is actually fucking, which is fine, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if you're if you're into that sort of thing. But like I said, I, I'm kind of newer, and when I say that, I've been watching it for the past, you know, maybe about three years um, more actively. And, uh, I mean, I've always watched pornography, but as far as vintage pornography, um, that's something that was a little bit newer to me just because I thought it was the same thing, just people fucking and then realized stories are being told and it's a lot of fun and um, different things. Uh, most notably, Bop Chin changed my mind on a lot of that with, like, Hot and Saucy Pizza, hot and saucy pizza Girls. So, Which is my favorite right. pornography of all time. Oh, mine too, by, by far. Uh, I love it to death. Yeah, no question. It's it's perfect. It's a perfect pornography. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like an hour of fucking jokes and storytelling, and then we have quickies, pretty much. And it, it, that's what mm-hmm. I prefer. Is honestly like, uh, uh, oh, money shot. We're done. Let's get to the movie. You know, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, like a place beyond shame. Like we're watching Seika. She's great. She's very pretty. Um, but. Also, it's about, you know, her going to her therapist and then explaining sexual things to him. And then it goes into the sex and then it's just him banging her at the end. That's the big, you know, reveal. And there's nothing to it. It's very, very boring. And it's just not for me. 
And then we have something like Love Slaves, mm-hmm. which is, you know, uh, another porno, uh, more Bob Chin straight porno, but um, we kind of have this, like, crime drama that's happening with these kidnappers that are uh, kidnapping these young women and making them sl- sex slaves, um, but in a very tasteful way. Uh, stop there. I will get to the end when I say tasteful ways because then I eat my words at the end of this. Um and then, like, we have kind of this cop that's, hunt, you know, hunting these people down, and he's worried about his wife and stuff. And there's a big story to be told. Uh, and then we have some pretty good performances. We have some good music. We have some great mustaches and big sunglasses, you know, Beastie Boy sabotage. Um, and, 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 by, and, and it's okay. And then, at the end of the film... You're like, oh, you know, this is supposed to be a roughie. Like, nothing's really happening in this. You know, it's just people doing it. There's this weird foursome uh, with three, uh, I'll, I'll say this, three dude, quote unquote, three dudes and one girl, but one of the dudes is a mannequin. So these dudes, hmm. like, they're making her airtight, but one of them is a mannequin. It's super <laughs> weird. Um, okay. This is this is screencast after dark, right? You can say whatever the fuck we want. Hey, you, 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 we're in the back. You, you gotta you gotta hit all the demographics. <laughs> so um, that happens, but at the end of the film, there's a rape scene, which you know you're thinking, oh, it's porn. Yeah, but there's 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 like rough porn, but when you have kind of these more straightforward, you know, pornography films from like, you know, you, we have that one blue ice where Ron Jeremy's going, like, super disgusting, and it's like, ah, la, la. But this, like, it, it's like a gang rape happens, <laughs> and it's just very unsettling, because you're like, wait a second, this kind of comes out of nowhere. And um, then you're like, oh, shit. Like, and then it's just like, this movie's super fucked up. Like, because... You know, in in films like stuff like Vigilante or something like that, when Robert Forrester's family, you know, gets attacked and bad stuff happens to her, he's like, fuck this, and he kills everybody. It's the same thing. You know, we're watching Vigilante Justice, but since it's a porno, we actually get to see that happen? And that's the weird part. Like, I was like, oh, maybe this is going to be off screen or something. But no, it just gets kind of hyper-violent. And that was the... that was a I I kind of paused at that point. Yeah, yeah and I was upsetting. like, man, this is this is just not what I thought was going to happen. Like I like kind of, you know, the rape revenge movies, it's fine, but you know, I also like I don't like to see it go to the extremes, and that's what it did. And it was a little shocking, but all in all, it's fine. Um it's not Bob Chen's greatest, but he at least tries to make this rape revenge crime drama. And that I can give them props for. So uh, there was that. Uh, what else do we have here, BJ, since you watched uh, these? Um, I'm trying to pull out my pile. Alex Dorenzi's baby face was a big Alec, one. Yeah, this one was uh, very, very highly anticipated amongst the porn dudes and kind of Vinegar Syndrome uh, fans. Um, yeah. I, you, I hear you about to speak, so I'll let you take it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I'm impossible to 
to be quiet. I'm a heavy breather. Um, so <laughs> right off the bat, I like Alex Dorenzi a lot. I think that he's a weird, weird dude. Um, if you can get past the setup of the whole film, which is that a dude is pretty much just committing stat rape, <laughs> um, and then trying to hide out from it by staying at like a male brothel. If you can get past that part of it, this movie's a lot of fun. Um, the setup is kind of weird. It's kind of gross. But once you get to the male brothel, I think that it's super funny. And it's a nice change of pace. It's it's women, you know, being in control of what they want and seeking out men for what they desire. And, you know, kind of taking control of that situation, which I really appreciated. Um, you don't see that a lot. And it was interesting to do that. Uh, this movie's long as fuck. It is like almost two hours. So strap in. You're going to be, be there for a long time. Or strap on. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's real edgy, but it's also really funny <laughs> at the same time. Um, this is definitely one that I'll probably watch again and make it kind of a, a frequent watch the way I do with hot and saucy pizza girls. Uh, the only issue that I really have with it is kind of that weird setup and the length. The sex scenes are all really solid. Um, th- none of them really feel out of place except there's like one guy who's supposed to be young, but he doesn't look young at all. Um, so that's the only real like, uh, could you found somebody like a little twinkier for this? Scene, but well, he's probably twenty three, but like has a diet of like salami and Jack Daniels. He has like this. It's he has like this really bushy mustache, um, and it just makes him look super old. Uh, but otherwise, like I don't know. I really like. I really like this one. I don't think that it's the best that Alex Dorenzi's done, but I think no. that this is like a really good example of his sort of style and flavor of pornography. Well, yeah, he's he's one of the uh, you know Bob Chin focuses more on stories, and then Alex Dorenzi thinks kind of more broad, like he he wants to make big movies, um, and and that's kind of the life he led, and that's you know he has kind of the more straightforward, smaller stuff, but he definitely tries to think outside the box and make it uh, bigger, very much like. Um, God, who's the other guy that makes those big, big movies? Um, shit, I can't think. Never mind, I'm not going to stay on it. I'll think of it soon. Oh, you're fine. But anyways, yeah. If anybody, yeah, if anyone's into, like, erotic asphyxiation, uh, there's a real interesting scene with cellophane wrap. Uh, I would not recommend trying it at home because the whole time I'm like, oh, that that's kind of interesting. Oh, no, that there are so many ways for that to backfire. I don't like that. Um, but, eh, hey, you learn things when you watch porn. Learn them. Try them. Tell us how they went. Agreed. That's all I got on that. <laughs> no, I, I, I like it, too. I think I think you hit all the notes. Um, you know, it's, it's a... You know, especially kind of with Vinegar Syndrome's work, it's very pretty. Um, and, you know, this is one of the more uh, long, you know, one of the more awaited uh, titles. So, 
Um, and then next up... Yeah, this one was definitely worth the wait. But people will be stoked on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what else was there? Next up was... I'm trying to look through all this shit. There's so many. Uh, China Girl was one of them. I don't know if yeah, you watched Annette, that one. Annette, yeah. uh, Annette Haven um, the film. Mm-hmm. This one... Um, kind of shows Annette Haven in kind of full form. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, <laughs> but uh, more, more or less, you know, she, she plays, uh, I always, I laughed at her name when they said it. Cause then it reminded me of Hargrove from, um, uh, never to so hard grave. Yeah. It's hard grave, but it's like hard grove from never too young to die. And she plays like this assassin, assassin type. It, it's a lot of fun because, you know, um, you know, I, I know a lot of people talk a lot of, you know, stuff about pornography. And I, I honestly, I see, I see your points. You know, it's, you know, people think it, you know, I mean, people, it is. I mean, today it's more or less degrading. Back then they were having a lot more fun. It was just drugs, um, that, that was involved. <laughs> um, now it's, you know, totally different machine. But back in the day, I mean, these people were having great, uh, great times and, and having fun with what they're doing. And Annette Haven, she's just having a blast with this and um and this is one of these films that is kind of that more espionage uh assassin film mixed in with a lot of sexy time um personally i like china girl yeah this is this is like a a, it's like a spy thriller that happens to have actual sex like if you pull those scenes out the movie still works and that's really really rare to find um, but yeah, it totally works. It's, it's really interesting. I think some, some of the cinematography is actually really beautiful. Um, I interrupted you with all of that, so I'm sorry. Continue. With no, no, no. I, I just think it's, it's, um, you know, it, it, it does work on its own level, very much like a Bob Chin film. Um, you know, even the film that they released Dracula sucks, like there was an R rated horror version of Dracula sucks, with the sex taken out and it still works. And I think the same could work with China girl. I think that would be a fun little project too, is to edit out sex scenes and uh, pornos and see if they work. Well, there are a couple that's starting to happen in modern pornography, like with a lot of the Axel Braun movies, because he's been getting so much praise for his costuming, especially like there's the big thing with like silver Surfer or whatever, but it'll be an option on his DVDs to watch the films without pornography, which is so fascinating to me. No, no, I, I, I agree. I've watched a couple of his, um, of his, of his films. And I mean, some of, sometimes his superhero stuff is better than the mainstream superhero stuff. Um, yeah, he gets it more right. Seriously. Than other people. Um, yeah, that's a dude that is definitely inspired by a film like China Girl or like this sort yeah, of totally. time period of pornography. Like he gets it. Would it would probably be a fun one to talk to about um, about inspiration and stuff like that. Because I mean, I, I'm just kind of uh, I'm kind of curious of how that works. Like you know, I got to interview Bob Chin um, a couple years ago. And I asked him some very personal questions in there, um, you know, and he, he wanted, you know, he went to film school. He, he went to UCLA. Um, so he knew all the technical aspects and he, and you could tell he, he put that into his films. Um, I mean, it's very easy to have money and be able to get some girls together 
and got, I, I mean, it's not that hard to find the dudes and get them on your couch and film it. Um, very much what they do these days. Um, you know, if you, if you look at, you know, you see the name on the top of the DVD, you know, you're going to see that same exact couch you saw in the other movie. Oh, well, yeah. We like, we shot the, the short love is dead at, you know, the burning angel studios. And like, we got to see how it works and how they have like different artwork to make it look like different settings, but it's just, you know, a rearrangement of furniture which is really goddamn smart. Like, that's a great way to make a living. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great way to make, you know, a, a quick, a quick porno and make a quick buck. But, you know, there, there's also that, um, you know, I, I've said this before on the show, um, is that, you know, right now we had storylines that had, you know, quick scenes of sex and now we just have these movies that are scenarios with, you know, long, long sex scenes. Now, sex scenes are running like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you clock these things back in the 70s and 80s, uh, sometimes they ran a minute mm-hmm. to like maybe not over four or three minutes, five minutes tops. And that's usually when there's more than one or two people in a scene. Um so you kind of get to see, like, I mean, right now, in pornos are running three to four hours, and three hours and 45 minutes is actually sex. Mm-hmm. And it, we're just getting, movies are compilations of scenes, no storylines. It's just one scene right after the other in the exact same room. So, um, you know, it's really devolved, so it's nice to see people like Alex Braun and I want to know if he's, you know, inspired by people like Bob Chin and Alex Dorenzi, um, and doing doing those films and 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 actually trying like he wants to make movies still, but he also wants to make porno. And I, I think that's a, you know, I think that's needed for people like me because I I want to see you know good cinematography. I want to see you know a decent a decent storyline. So, um, but anyways, that's my my rant. China China Girl's great. Though I, I I really do like it, and that Haven's really fun. Um, it's a fun little spy movie, um, and it has enough sexy time to to get you get you going. I agree. I really like it. I mean, it has a little bit of the '60s yellow fever problematic nonsense in it, but it was the '60s. It was porn. What the fuck did you expect? So, otherwise, I like it. I like trying to grow a lot. I think. I think I like this better than China Silk, actually. Mm. Oh, I didn't like China Silk at all. That was one of those movies that tried to make a longer movie, and it just ended up being just shot after shot of porno to me. Uh, I liked China Silk, but I really like China Girl a lot. China Girl, is this is more my speed. Very nice. And is there any more? I think the last one was uh, Blue Money, but I did not get to see that one. Brad, you were uh, telling me Blue Money was actually really good. Yeah, uh, Blue Money is, uh, oh shit, my Blu-rays went everywhere. Um, (laughs) um, yeah, Blue Money is, uh, it's made by pornographers, but more of kind of a, a straightforward story. Bob Chin, um, I believe narrates, um, the film. Um, so basically it's, it's, it's about pornographic filmmakers, um, but, uh, yeah, it's just about them 
having the kind of this like like a legal thing going on making making pornos and it's got some you know drama mixed in it's got some kind of is very sleazy at times i know that's like oh it's a porno it's gonna be sleazy you know there's a certain kind of technical aspect and aesthetic that makes a movie sleazy and this one has it like a lot of pornos they're just sweating it's not doesn't mean it's sleazy there's like you know very weird storylines or you know some very skeezy people um ron jeremy's not in it so that's one less skeezy person you have to worry about so um <laughs> it's just um it's it's just it's about you know filmmaking porno and making that money and getting caught up in the shit that you don't want to it's it's more or less a drama than anything um i didn't watch i i didn't know this until um we started talking about it. apparently there is um uh a bonus feature on here of um the the affairs of Aphrodite, which I didn't know, which I didn't watch. There's another movie that <laughs> that's on this, and it doesn't really say it. Just when we were looking at it, and I was trying to figure out um, the running time because apparently this is the uncut version, and I've seen the cut version that's like 70 minutes. Uh, I think this is one of those ones that was on one of those Mill Creek sets too, um, and that's how I originally saw it. But yeah, it's definitely an upgrade. I like how. Mil- uh, you know, Vinegar Syndrome's hitting all the Mill Creek Crown Royal titles and stuff like that. So, um, definitely something. That, Crown Royal. There you go. Jack. The drink. Crown Crown Royal Cokes. Crown Crown Pictures. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh boy. Um. Is I there, think that, is there anything? I think that was it, y'all. I think we're good. Killed it. Ugh. Bam. Our syndrome is so <laughs> vinegary. <laughs> all right. Well, that's going to do it for uh, all the releases up till April from Vinegar Syndrome. Um, they have, oh gosh, where'd the website go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Hold on. You're hecking up, man. Here we go. Uh, Psycho Cop Returns is coming out very soon, as well as Double Exposure. Oh, I'm so excited. And I believe uh, Hot Flashes and Picorama of Ladies Night and Her Wicked Ways. Yeah. So that's the April package right there. Should be uh, – they are – that's coming out on April 25th. So if you haven't got your Vinegar Syndrome package ordered, you can do that now. They are doing the full package uh, of all the, uh, the, the flicks, including the Pono. But they also have, uh, for people like me, they have just these standard titles, like uh, the non-ponos. So you can get uh, Psycho Cop Returns and Double Exposure by themselves. You know, Double Exposure is another uh, Crown International uh, film that Mill Creek released in a box set. So Nice. Killing it. Yeah. Good stuff. And of course, you can find all our stuff over at vinegarsyndrome.com and tell them we sent you. There should be links in the show notes to the April package. If you guys are going to, if anyone out there, I should say, is going to be at Cinema Wasteland in Strongsville, Vinegar Syndrome will have a table up there. I will be there on Saturday. Come find me. We'll chit chat. I'll give you some movie recommendations at the table. 
All right, and uh, look for our Screamcast late night episode. Uh, if you are a patron, very soon, our next one, Brad and I will be uh, getting drunk and recording that uh, in a couple days here. So keep checking back with your Patreon feed. If you would like to support the show, we have a few options over at patreon.com slash scream underscore cast. There's a $1, $3, and $5 option. Um, if we're trying to get to a goal of $100 a month, if we do that, we will unlock the Screamcast late night to the $3 listeners. And then if we hit our next goal, unlock that to the $1 uh, a month uh, patrons. And then we'll kind of revamp and add some more stuff. And as always, the only ones contributing to Screamcast late night are the $5 patrons so check that out there that's patreon.com slash scream underscore cast of course all the links to all our social media is over at the screamcast.com in the right hand side of the webpage. and please check out and give some love to our sponsors most notably um grindhousevideo.com uh coffee shop of horrors Check out Kevin Spencer, who designed all the artwork. Check out his artwork over at inkspatters.com. And as always, huge thank you to Wolfman of Mars for letting us use their music in our episodes. And, uh, of course, Vinegar Syndrome for uh, letting us talk about their flicks and uh, giving us movies to review. Thanks for doing it for this week's show, everybody. Did I miss it? Did I miss anything? No, man, Brad I think you did and BJ? Well. Buy everything from Glenn. That was the yeah. smoothest <clears throat> transition. Like, <laughs> call you Land Lakes because that was smooth as butter. Butter. Uh, all right. We'll talk to all of you guys next time. Uh, hey, all of you should watch Demon Seed because I think we'll be talking about that soon. And we got some other goodies lined up for that show. So until then, talk to all of you next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun. Oh.